It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. In this episode of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast, it's all about Mr. Mavs Draft, Mavs Magic Draft, Richard Statement. Want to hear his thoughts on the 2023 rookie class and how he believes they will perform this year. We're going to talk about who he thinks will win rookie of the year, his all-rookie team predictions, and which guys are probably going to maybe struggle a little bit and which guys could come out of nowhere and surprise us. So basically, who could be this year's Walker Kessler? Stay tuned. Shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. I'm your host, Rafael Barlow, the director of scouting for NBA Big Board, and my co-host, Richard Stamen, Mr. Mavs Draft. We all know Mr. Mavs Magic Draft. I don't know why I keep just saying just Mavs, but I got to throw in the magic. No disrespect, because I know that you, <laughs> you were born in the Orlando area. Is that correct? Yeah, I was born in Orlando. Hey, to be fair, it's not it's not your fault. My handle on Twitter is just Mavsraff, so it's not it's not your fault. Okay, thank you for clearing that up. But before we get into today's episode, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Dave. Download Dave today at dave.com/slash/lockedonnba, and you can get up to five hundred dollars in five minutes or less. No credit check, no late fees. That is dave.com. All right, the twenty twenty three. 24 season has already kicked off. I think every team has played a game. Yep. I was out of the country last week, so a little bit behind. I was hoping to get some of these episodes done before the season started, but a little behind between being under the weather and traveling and so on, but we still got time. So I wanted to get Richard's thoughts on this 23 rookie class, which a lot of people thought it was a very strong class. And I want to hear his thoughts on Rookie of the Year, First Team All-Rookie. So we'll just get started. All right. So the Rookie of the Year race, is it a one-man race, two-man race? Or do you think there's three or four, maybe even five guys that could potentially win Rookie of the Year? So there's two ways I look at it. If everyone plays the 65 games, right, that's eligible, they all become eligible for the Rookie of the Year award, it's victors. Like, it, it's just... That's it. Now, if I, I don't know if I trust Victor to be playing 65 games this year, I think it's a, a question, a valid question mark. And if that does become the case, there's going to be someone else, right? Like kind of the same way 2012, Anthony Davis was the best rookie, but he didn't play enough. He was hurt a lot. Damian Lillard was also fantastic. I, like I, not thought, was, I thought I'm a Blazers fan. That's fair. I realized I realized I should have thought that one through. <laughs> no. But like it was the same way, right? Where yeah, Dame was the rookie of the year. But I think when you look at who the best player from that class was, I, I still think it's Anthony Davis. Um, and I think that might just be what it is this year, right? Where it's you have two guys who are going to be fantastic, just one of them's a little bit more healthy than the other and played more games. And if that's the case, I think there's a, a decent amount of guys that can emerge. Um, you know, there was a few top 10 guys that thought would would maybe 
be a little bit stronger out of the gate, but uh, it's only been one game and and more out of the gate. I mean, just like they they aren't they weren't in the first game's rotation. I thought that was kind of shocking. Uh, so I think that it's going to be a tight race between two guys. Ultimately, is my prediction because nobody plays eighty two games for the year. Let's speak on the the guys that are out the rotation. I did some research. Six out of the fourteen lottery picks played less than ten minutes per game. Yeah. Jordan <laughs> Hawkins played nine, but after that, you could say well, Anthony Black four forty eight, Jet Howard four forty eight, um, Jarris five minutes. So are you saying like there's no chance for those guys? I mean, just based off of one game, it looks like they're going to yeah. get in. No, I mean, it's more just like they're on the outside looking in for the rotation. Like they've got a, an uphill battle to get those minutes. Like it just is what it is. Like a lot of those guys were not drafted for year one value. I'd say maybe Jairus was. That was kind of shocking. But I mean, even kind of furthering it, if you wanted to say, well, Jordan Hoggins played nine minutes, Kobe Bufkin, the next pick, the 15th pick, played zero. So like it's kind of the same thing, right? And I personally, the most shocking one was not Jairus for me. It was really Grady Dick. I was really stunned to see him play two minutes. And it was real two minutes. It wasn't garbage time minutes. He played in like the second quarter or something. Didn't play again after. I thought that was kind of weird. Um, but yeah, it's just a weird, weird thing where, you know, you see a lot of, and, and even then Brandon Miller, I don't, I don't know if he started. I don't think he started. He, he didn't start, but I think he had like eight points in the fourth quarter or something like that. Yeah, that's what it was. But hey, Amin, I know Amin didn't start. Yeah. Hayward Hayward started for Charlotte. They started Ball, Rogier, Hayward, PJ. So I don't even know if he's going to start early until maybe they move Hayward or whatever. But yeah, but like only two guys played 30 minutes. That was Lively and Scoot Henderson. I think Victor probably would have got to 30 or close to it if he didn't have foul trouble. So let's talk about this rookie of the year race. Do you think it's between Victor and, and Chet? If you were to have to choose who are the two top guys? I I think Chet's the obvious pick. It's too early to really emerge for anyone else. I think it's Scoot, though. I, I really think Scoot is better than Chet, and he's going to have way more opportunities to improve his volume. Not necessarily the efficiency, but I think Scoot's going to have a lot of chances to He's going to have the most margin for error. And just historically, those kind of guys, they do get higher up in Rookie of the Year because Rookie of the Year generally is a counting stats award, not necessarily who is the most impactful on the best team. It's different from all the other awards. What's interesting is that Scoot had a very injury-filled 22-23 season, but nobody seems concerned about his injury. Victor was healthy, played a whole season, played for the the French national team during the season. And people are still trying to put an asterisk. Oh, is he going to stay healthy? Is he going to hold up? I just think that's interesting in in a sense. It's fair. I I think the big thing, though, is kind of we talked about it, right, which is they held him out more than like at the end of the year, they didn't want their guys, not even just Scoot. It was gradual where they would take out Leonard Miller, City Soko they would just kind of be like, all right, let's like ease out, ease them out of the rotation and out of playing so they don't get hurt. So I do think that does play a little bit of a role into it. But ultimately, yeah, you are right. Scoot had more in, has had more injuries really over the last year and a half than than Victor has. Yeah, I mean, Victor did have a pretty banged up year with Asvel two years, two years ago. But he was healthy last year, played a lot of minutes, played a heavy, heavy role. 
and even took like some huge risk by playing in some like qualification tournaments in the middle of the year. So you would say Scoot has a better chance to compete with Victor for rookie of the year over Chet. Yeah. I think it's just because the volume, I don't know how Chet surpasses him in volume. Like unless he's just hyper efficient, which I just, I don't know if he will be, I think it's going to be really tough to, to get to even match the amount of points and assists plus rebounds total that Scoot has. Uh, given that SGA is going to score 29, 30 plus points a game. Jalen Williams is probably going to be close to 20 points a game. And you got some other guys in there sprinkled as well. I mean, Josh Giddy, yeah, he's a facilitator first, but he's still going to put up 15 points a game probably. So you have a lot of points to go around. And I just don't know if, uh, if Chet can, it, it's not Chet's fault. Like if you're looking at impact, I think he's going to be significantly more impactful than Scoop, but it just kind of is what it is. And here's why I disagree, because I think, Victor's going to be on TV, and I think Chet is going to be on TV. And I do Fair. not see very many Blazers games on TV. So I think the TV games are going to have a big impact because I can't think of a time in recent memory where we're going to see the top – well, I mean, I guess Chet wasn't in this class. But we're going to see the top pick with national TV games and then the, I guess his biggest competitor for rookie of the year with other national TV games. I don't have the numbers off the top of my head, but I know there's more national TV games for Victor and Chet than let's say last year, Jabari and, and, and Ben Carroll. So I think the TV games are going to have an impact because I think the NBA definitely wants to get SGA on, on some national TV games. All right. Let's talk about our rookie. This can be kind of tough to narrow it down, but who do you have as your top five for all rookie? Now, is it it positions don't matter, right? Correct. You could put five centers on there if you really wanted to. You could have Lively, you could have Chet and Wembenyama if you really, really wanted to. All right. And so I who, probably will. <laughs> so, so who are your top? Five rookies. I, I I will overreact to one game in this very specific situation. Lively was so far ahead of what I thought he would be. And now what I thought was a bad matchup for him with Zach Collins, I thought would give him trouble. And then Wembenyama, I thought would really give him trouble. Now, obviously foul trouble played a role, but Lively looked really good out there. And I just, I can't imagine. Yeah. They're like teams are going to counter. They'll be able to figure out new game plans, whatever, but at the end of the day, we've seen this in Dallas where anybody who can dunk that is 6'11 or taller, or six, really 6'9, actually, if you're counting Dwight Powell, you know, they thrive next to Luca. That's not going to change. The defense isn't going to change that much for Lively. I think a lot of what you saw was sustainable, concrete. That's just what he's going to be this year. And he was good. Um, will he outplay Wemanyama every time? Probably not. But I think I think he's somebody that like is an absolute lock on there. All right. When we return. I want to talk a little bit more about Derek Lively because if I remember correctly, you weren't the biggest Lively Mavs guy. I want to see how much has has that changed. Stay tuned. All right, before we get into the second segment, I wanted to talk to you about Dave because at one time or another, we've all been through it. But at one time or another, we've all needed a little financial help that is where Dave comes in because Dave is great. Dave can get you cash when you need it, especially if you are in between paychecks and 
and Dave can also help you build credit by settling with their extra cash advances on time and Dave has been useful for so many people I mean I know I've been in situations where I got hit with some unexpected expenses and I've a guy that bet on himself and wanted to be independent and work in sports and sometimes when you take that road you end up with a lot of uh, a, a lot of times where you where you don't have money you need money to pay for bills and I wish when I was going through that I had a Dave and Finances can be so intimidating, and that's why you need Dave, because Dave can make managing your money so much easier with an interest-free extra cash advance. It is fee-free. So you probably wonder, okay, so, so, so who is this Dave guy, or what is Dave? And Dave is a banking app that is leveling the financial playing field. When you download Dave, you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. There is no credit check. There's no late fees. And it is part of Dave's extra cash account. Advance the money you need with no interest. And then you can settle up for later. So download Dave at Dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. That is Dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. And you can get up to $500 in five minutes or less. There is no credit check and no late fees. Again, download the Dave app. Download Dave.com slash LockedOnNBA. Remember, terms and conditions apply. Just go to Dave.com slash legal. Eligibility criteria and instant transfer fees apply. And the banking services are provided by Evolve, which is a member of the FDIC. Next, I want to talk to you about Jace Medical and the importance of getting a Jace case because we've all seen or paid attention to what is going on in the world from hurricanes to fires to civil unrest to wars and you're wondering like where are you going with this but all of that can impact supply chain shortages and supply chain shortages for medications and the inability for people to get medication in a timely manner is pretty scary and that's where jace medical comes in at because you can get a customized jace case that has the five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections so go to jace medical because they actually have the customized jace cakes jace case with dozens of add-on medications so choose jace medical and now jace medical offers customized add-on medications this would be great for you and your family and they can have the you can pick out the best medications that fit your family's unique needs so go to jacemedical.com enter the promo code locked on at checkout and you can get a 20 dollars discount that is jace j-a-s-e medical.com use the promo code locked on l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n at j-a-s-e medical.com again you can get a 20 dollars discount the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, when we left off, Richard was very high on Derek Lively. And I think his tone has changed a little bit. <laughs> and, and going back in like retrospect, if that's the correct word to use, what were your concerns about Lively prior to the draft pick? And do you still have those concerns today? 
So let's just rewind to save myself some face here. I, if you remember when we recorded in like September, I was like, Derek Lively, Derek Lively's the third best player. I was really in on him. I thought he would yeah. be so good in college. I thought he'd average a double, double three blocks a game, take a three a game. He didn't do that. And I think that really soured on me because <clears throat> I didn't count for some of the injuries and things like that. The things that really scared me was there, there were two things that just, I would say were the, the major flags passiveness he was very passive until uh, i'd say for honestly just most of the season even in all the season the yeah, very last the game end. of the year he would roll and just stand there yeah so i was like well if you're doing that in college how is that going to change in six months and i guess it did <laughs> i don't know exactly what happened but i underestimated that ability to to change that quickly and then also the touch at the rim and strength i thought those two things combined played a role i mean we've talked about it his layup percentage was extremely low and then in the first game he hits a turnaround put back uh lefty touch off the glass right on the money so maybe it was just small sample size but those were the two things that really scared me and i thought maybe you know some foul issues some defensive ball watching i just i was shocked at how quickly he's turned it around i thought he was a long-term guy that's really why i didn't want him on dallas at first because i think i what i saw was pick a uh, win now pick for a guy who's a long-term play and you know this is why they're the ones making these decisions and not me at the moment and i think like not to not to discredit myself but that is something where really you know going the ins and outs of interviewing and working him out that's the stuff where you see that's the value of why teams go sometimes against the grain of what we say where we're like well on film it's this why isn't it that way behind the scenes matters a lot yeah i was I was high on Lively coming into the season. I soured on him. And then towards the back end of the season, I was back high on him again. And I thought he was the perfect pick for Dallas as soon as the lottery results were released. The thing that stood out to me was, all right, he is basically a game changer on defense. At least he was on the college level at the second half of the year without getting touches. So my mindset is, you know, like they say, feed the big man, feed the big man, reward the big man. If you got a guy that's blocking shots and hustling and still playing hard on the defensive end when he's not getting rewarded, imagine what he'll do for you if he knows, all right, if I screen, somebody's going to find me. And I just thought fit for him was perfect in Dallas because he has a phenomenal playmaker that will find him. And I think the defense could be even better once he knows that he is getting rewarded. So I just thought the fit was was perfect. And I just saw at Duke, like he knew he was not getting the ball. He would set a high ball screen, stand there, and then just say, you know, let me get back on defense because this <laughs> this is going up. And I didn't like the fit with Filipowski either. So I'm, I'm not surprised. The only thing I was surprised is that kid didn't start him. But again, I, maybe I should not be too surprised because kid seems to play – I don't want to call it mind games, but he, he does do things a little bit differently. All right, so we got Lively one. Who is another player that's on your first team all-rookie? I I think we're going to see – like, I want to preface this. He's not going to get there because of offensive prowess, this guy. But I think Asar Thompson somebody that has to be there. And and, and I would say also, like, the first three guys, I, I really do think Weminyama, Scoot, really four, Chet and Lively. I think those are my heavy four. And then it's one. I would say Asar Thompson's probably the last one. Like I just, I know it's one game, but what he's done with the ball in his hands as a passer, 
in the defense. We've seen it at, at OTE. We saw it in preseason. We saw it in summer league first game against the heat who the heat are not as slouched defensively. Like he, he did a really good job. And then also just, I mean, he had multiple blocks on one play. Like I just, I think he's going to be somebody that he's going to be that impact guy on a bad team that, that get voters like. So you're going to put a sore Thompson over Brandon Miller for your first team all rookie. I I think it's going to come down to, I, I really do think those four are going to be the front runners. Um, I think it's going to be a legitimate debate. I, I, I want to see obviously how it plays out, but I also just don't know. It's it's tough because Asar starts. And well, because Bogdanovich, right Bogdanovich is out. Yeah. But, I mean, it might even out. Like, Gordon Hayward's probably not finishing the year there. So, it'll probably even out. It, it's going to be one of those things where I do think Asar is going to be the great impact defender, mediocre offensive player. Whereas Brandon Miller, I think, is going to get decent vol, uh, decent volume, decent efficiency. Like he's just going to be good at everything, but not that great one area to make him like a high value guy. Just in year one, I think Brandon Miller's going to have a good year. He has the ball handler that's going to get him open looks. Although it was one game, he was three of seven from three, scored thirteen points, three rebounds, two assists in twenty four minutes. So I think he's going to shoot the ball well. I think that he's going to I think he's going to rebound. And I think Charlotte is actually going to be decent. I mean, I look at their team. They were 43 and 39 two years ago. It's pretty much the same team, but you'd have to figure LaMelo should be better. Mark Williams should be better than their center two years ago. Was it Plumlee? You got to factor PJ Washington is going to be better if Rogier is the same. If Hayward actually plays, I think Charlotte is going to be a surprisingly good team. And I think Brandon Miller is going to be able to play a role where he's averaging between 13 to 15 points per game on a team that could possibly win 40 games. And I, I said on draft day, I was not a big fan of the Thompson fit in Detroit just because I'm a Cade fan fan and I believe you need to surround Cade with shooters and I'm not saying that they made the the wrong choice because I wouldn't have taken like Grady Dick there or you know a shooter there but I just think it's going to be very difficult for him to get buckets in the half court because I think teams are just going to sag off of him I mean he was one for seven from the floor but his defensive impact outweighed how how bad he shot but um yeah, I just I just think that the Detroit with with their weird guard four guard situation. I mean, I guess you can say you throw in Sasser. I think that's just going to be very, very interesting all season. All right, so so you you got Lively, Wimbayamba, Asor, Scoot, and then who? Chet, and then Chet. All right, when we return. We'll talk about your second team, All-Rookie, and then also we'll talk about who could be this year's Walker Kessler, a rookie that is drafted outside of the lottery that comes in surprises, or maybe even, uh, it's probably wrong to say this, who could be this year's Johnny Davis, a guy that is a lottery pick that really struggles and spends a lot of time in the G League. I know the guy, the first name that comes to mind for me. Stay tuned. All right, before we get into the last segment, I want to talk to you about prize picks. You know, prize picks is daily fantasy 
Made Easy. It is the largest independent daily fantasy sports platform in North America. And it is the easiest because all you have to do is pick two to six players. You're not going against thousands of competitors and other players, including these guys that are pros and sharks. You pick more or less than two to six players in their stat projections. And the winnings can roll in. You can win up to 25 times your money. Again, 25 times your money. Prize picks is very simple to play. I can make my picks and I can put in the entry in less than 60 seconds. The withdrawals are quick and fast, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types is what makes prize picks so special. For example, you can say, is Jaron Jackson going to block more than two shots per game? Is Nikola Jokic going to make more than or, or dish out more than eight assists? There's so many different options for prize picks. And again, it is daily fantasy made easy. So all you have to do is go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. But you got to use the code locked on NBA. Remember, prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. And if you use the code locked on NBA, you can get a first deposit match up to $100. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, last segment. So Richard gave us his first team all rookie. Who are your second five guys? I think so. Brandon Miller has to be the first one there because I, I agree with most of the points, right? Like, I just think it's a who's better thing with Asar Thompson uh, for rookie year. I think Brandon Miller will headline the second team. I, I think he's the first pick. I, I might need a second to think about what I was going to say before, but um, man, I'll, I'll bite the bullet. I'll say Keontae George. I think he's going to be somebody that has a lot of ups and downs, but the ups are going to be so high that he's going to be hard to keep off of it. What do you think about him? Uh, you know, I can be a little biased towards Keontae. <laughs> I've liked Keontae for a long time. He just looks like a pro. Like, he looks like he was meant to play professional basketball over college basketball. I think some people are trying to figure out, is he a one? Is he a two? Is he a hybrid? But he just looks comfortable out there. I think eventually Utah is going to decide, like, you know what, this is our guy. And they're going to give him the keys to the offense. And I think he's going to have some really good moments. And I mean, if you're Utah, what do you what what do you have to lose? <laughs> like, yeah. I think long term, you have to say, hey, I think Keontae George is better than Horton Tucker. I think long term, Keontae George is better than Colin Sexton. So let's just give him the the keys. I mean, they got a bunch of picks, right? <laughs> from the oh, yeah. from the Gobert trade. So I just think you just need to just say, hey, Keontae, you you're the best long term player here. He seems ready. He he was the best rookie at Summer League. So I think he might have a chance to be first team all rookie. It's just how long are they going to try to try to um I mean, how long are they gonna go with Horton Tucker and Clarkson yeah. as their starting backcourt? 
Well, I think my next one will be Bilal Koulibaly. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. He's another guy who the defense is going to get him a lot of respect around the league. They gave um, up 143, so he might need to yeah. play. <laughs> individual. Individual is important on that. Individual. Well, that well that's team, what I'm saying. Like They gave up 143 as a team, so they're probably going to have to put some defenders <laughs> out there because, yeah. I mean, it was 143 to the Pacers. No disrespect to the Pacers, but that's not the Phoenix Suns. Like, yeah. I mean? that's hey, not shout out Tyrese Halberton, though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I will say the last two, I'm trying not to like overreact to who played the first game, but I do think there is a sense of like getting that hot start does actually matter a lot. And while the rotations aren't set, I do think the guys who are in the rotation now have a significant just leg up right on the guys who aren't like Jaime Hawkins has a leg up on Jairus Walker at the moment. So I'm tempted to put him in there. I really don't know. I'm not. I'm trying not to overreact to Casey Wallace's game because he did play extended minutes because of uh, the score that was in that game. It was pretty rough. But I'll, I'll go with Jaime Hawkins as the ninth spot. And then the last one, I'm debating between three guys that none of them really played in their first game, and it's tough. I think, I think Jairus Walker could easily be there. I really like Chris Murray. I think he's somebody who's going to thrive in that just off-ball role. And then this guy didn't even play, but I, I think this is somebody who became a darling in preseason, and I warmed up to a lot of it with the fit, is Julian Strother in Denver. I think you look at championship teams don't have their rotation set. Like, no team does. But yeah. like Denver doesn't have their, their rotation set, and he's somebody who could easily come in, thrive off of Jokic. I'm torn on who to pick. I'd, I'd probably spin a wheel and and I'd go with uh, I, I'm I'll I'll say Jairus Walker. I think eventually he's somebody who thrives under somebody like Rick Carlisle. I think he's just going to force his way into the rotation. So what's your full second five? So it is Brandon Miller, yep, um, Bilal Koulibaly, Keontae George, Jaime Hawkes, and um, Jairus Walker. So no Amon Thompson. I, I he's and I should have thrown him in there. I don't know what to do with him. Because the Rockets were a mess in game one. It it was one game. But like, like here's my thing. None of their problems from last year are going to be fixed overnight. And Amon Thompson's not going to be able to fix it. The shot is really, really bad. And I, I think he's he's in a tough spot because Fred Van Vliet and Jalen Green have so much priority there. Is he is he a top ten rookie because of that? It's not his fault. Yeah. Um he I got twenty one minutes sh- though. So Yeah, he did. I just he didn't do a lot of them. And some of them were those final five minutes, like against Anthony black, when he came in too, it was kind of garbage time, but I just don't know what to do with him. I, the Houston team just throws me off so much that I'm leaving him off of it. It's not his fault. I think his situation is going to screw him in that regard. I mean, I, I had to double check to make sure that the NBA app wasn't wrong, but he was three of 10 from the floor and one for seven from three. Yeah. That's, <laughs> The issue isn't even the one. It's the issue is why is he taking seven threes? And he got to the rim a few times, but the focal point was, hey, Amen, stick on the perimeter. And it's like, that's that's the worst way to maximize someone like Amen Thompson. He's not an off-ball player. So that that's where I'm like, is that going to change? Is that something that's permanent? I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I mean, there were so many guys that, I mean, and, and I know you got to think long-term way ahead, but there were so many guys in this class that even during – the pre-draft process between the lottery results and the draft, 
and you're putting together your mock drafts. And of course, you want to do it based off of fit a little bit. You're trying to visualize how this guy fits in. I mean, at least to me, that's just natural. But there were quite a few guys. I'm just like, this fit is ugly. And I feel like with both Thompson twins, I didn't like either fit. And maybe I'm in if they didn't bring in a point guard. Like if if Van Vliet or, you know, the Harden rumors, then I'll be like, okay, I like Ahmed as as the point guard in Houston. But any situation where I felt like he was going to play off the ball, him and his brother, I just felt like, man, they're basically being set up to where, I mean, whoever the primary ball handler is late in the shot clock is going to, drive and he's going to face a wall and he's just going to see one of the Thompson twins wide open and he's going to pass it to him and the results aren't 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 going to be aren't going to be good at all and so I just wish I would have I wish both of those guys would have had the opportunity to play a role where they had the ball in their hands a little bit more I mean we know they're phenomenal athletes and we know you know, just the things that they can do. But I think combined they took 17 shots and half of their shots combined were threes. And we all knew coming into the season that their biggest flaw was shooting. Now, I'm in only, I mean, I saw only took two threes and he made one of two, but I'm in shooting seven threes. I, I know we gotta, we gotta wrap up the show, but like, this is the problem that I have with part of the modern NBA. Not like, yes, I get it. Three-point shooting. It's sexy. It's the whole thing. That is the entire focal point of the NBA. Like, at this point, like, generally speaking, from a raw standpoint, three-point shooting is the most important thing in the league. But just because you, it, like, it is, doesn't mean every single player has to shoot. And that's one of those things where it's like, everyone is trying to copy everyone so hard that there's no creativity, it feels like. And having a non-shooter take seven threes in a game is a is something where, you know, it makes casual fans go, well, it's all the exact same script and how they're going to play. And and that's really, I think, a turnoff for a lot of people, too. So it's a double value thing, right, where it's it hurts Amon Thompson, I think. It hurts the Rockets and it also hurts the viewership because any game you can watch the exact same thing happen. It's what it might feel like. Well, yeah, because every team kind of like has their guy. And then outside of that, you're just a complimentary piece that kind of stands in the corner and you wait for them to to feed you. And that leads to a lot of guys shooting wide, wide open threes. So but it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know the 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 fans are going to be definitely questioning how you left Amin Thompson off. But I thought you did an excellent job of explaining it. I do think he Appreciate is it. going to get the minutes. He's going to get more minutes than some of those other guys. So I think the minutes are going to lead to some type of points. But I don't know what to think of Houston. I know it's only one game. And it was close. I think Orlando was up pretty big. Then Houston made it close. And then next thing you know, it just got yeah. really out of hand. Five minutes in the third quarter. That was it. Yeah. But I just... I don't know, like who is their their go to guy? Like who, who? Like I just don't know the direction. A lot of I don't know, and and this is with Kevin Porter Jr. There, I mean, it would have been even a little bit more messier as far as their rotation if if Kevin Porter Jr. was was playing. So I feel like I'm in benefited from him being from him being gone. But then again, maybe Eme would have 
been like, nah, this guy's not like he's that. But who knows? Because I I didn't I wasn't a fan of how Jalen Green looked. Also, well, all right. The last two questions: Who is your Walker Kessler? Who's your guy that comes out of nowhere that has a surprise rookie season? Man, so does it have to be a, a team that surpasses expectations, like one to one, or just somebody who just overachieves? Someone that overachieves, and I mean, I guess Keontae was the sixteenth pick, and you have him yeah. Here. So I mean, you could put him it's there. it's him or Hawkes. I think Hawkes is closer to the bill because he's going to be on a winning team. Uh, I think his minutes against Detroit looked pretty good. Some of them were kind of playing, and I think a good amount of them were up when were when they were up twenty before they blew the lead, but. Still, he played in a, a meaningful game one way or another, and I think he looked like an NBA player who – it's funny, two years ago, if you had told me that this sentence would be coming out of my mouth, I would not have believed you. Like, he has improved so much since – I mean, really, like, 2021, he's been fantastic. Since the end of that season, he has been phenomenal. All right, last question. Let's kind of put you on a spot. Who is this year's Johnny Davis? Who's the lottery pick that really struggles and – is the first one that gets sent to the G League? Sent to the G League is uh is tough. I think the most struggling player is going to be Jordan Hawkins uh, or Grady Dick. I mean, I think those are two guys that just based on everything we've seen over the last couple of months, it, the inefficiency for Jordan Hawkins scares me. Grady Dick barely played, um, may need a second, but the first player sent to the G League, I, I think it's going to be Taylor Hendricks, and it's not because he's bad. I just think the front court's pretty stacked there and they don't need him the second. They don't need him to be great. It's more going to be getting reps, but he's going to be someone I think that struggles to find playing time. So he's the closest one, but it's not because of ability. Yeah. I mean, he's, it's just funny because he was the guy that everybody wanted Dallas to take at 10. He goes higher than uh, what Mavs fans wanted. And now he's in a situation where he's, I mean, going to pile up a lot of DNP CDs unless something changes while Dallas moves back, gets lively, and lively he's probably going to play 25 minutes per game plus. Fit is so important. Well, that wraps up this episode. you definitely hear more from me and Richard. Next week, we're going to talk about college basketball because college basketball is finally back. We are in full basketball season started next week so look, definitely looking forward to that once again it's Rafael Barlow with Richard Stateman and we are out hey Prime members you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music download the Amazon Music app today